What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 23 of the Flip Screen Games Podcast, a weekly video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to discuss the wide, wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Hello, Steve. And joining us for the first time on the show, one of our Patreon producers, That Doc Guy. Hello. Welcome to the show, Doc. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's been, I I feel like it's been a long time coming. It's been, uh, I think we said we'd been in the works for a while. Yeah, yeah. We talked about doing this last year, um, I think anyway, right? And yeah, it just, it never quite came together. I believe we discussed it like spring of last year or something like that. We just didn't it up. I think it was pre-flip screen. It was, really, I think it was pretty yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, definitely a long time coming. And uh, I guess we were just waiting for the perfect episode, right? And when we talked last week about doing a, a special all about VR, virtual reality, you know, Doc, you uh, threw your hat in the ring as someone who's been in the VR game uh, for quite some time, has has had a lot of uh, time with the tech. So uh, we thought now would be the perfect time to call you up to the big leagues here to chat about uh, about VR. And the future of it. Well, hey, here I am to talk about VR and hopefully the future. If there continues to be a future, depending on if Facebook wants to be Facebook. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk all about that. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I think it'll be a, a good one to dig in on. But uh, before we get into that, let me remind you that this episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of January. They are, of course, Andy Radford, Christian Oliveria, Christopher Valenz, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Asobi, Smilky Shake, Wakahula, and Zade Ida. Thank you all for your support. And, you know, especially to you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Vivalens. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's uh, – oh, you know what? I forgot. There's a couple other things I got to plug real quick. Go to the website, flipscreen.games. That's where you can get links to all the other places we are. That's just the wrong shit as well. I'm, I've screwed this don't cry. Steve, please Steve messed the sorry. doc up for me this week. It's okay. All right. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, but we uh, we had a good time on this week's One More Thing, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast. If you want to go above and beyond to show your support, of course, the Patreon is the best way to do that. And on this week's show, we invented a brand new dessert that will undoubtedly go down in the history of the UK's culinary traditions. So you're going to want to go check that conversation out. Uh, and, you know, if you don't have any money to toss our way, there are plenty of ways you can get involved with the show. Come join the Discord, uh, write into the show, questions at flipscreen.games, and be a part of our main topic, just like a bunch of folks did this week. Let's jump into it. All right? Before we get into the VR talk, we'll do uh, a little bit about what we're playing. Steve has, like... 85 VR games on this list. So, Steve, we're going to table you. <laughs> I was naming all of them. I was naming all of them. We're, we're going to table you until we get to the VR proper yeah. discussion. Then you can talk all about the stuff you've been playing. Uh, Doc, since you're our guest, why don't you start things off? Uh, yeah, lately I've been doing a lot of Sea of Thieves. I think everybody knows what Sea of Thieves is at this point. It's uh, some basically free roam, yo ho ho, pirates. Um, and a bunch of Elite Dangerous. Um, I'm not sure how familiar everybody is with Elite Dangerous. Uh, the Absolute Spark Notes. It is a pure open world in a one-to-one replica of the Milky Way. And you are thrown into the world in a spaceship. The game says go. And you go. You go make money. You go fight aliens. You go cargo running. Anything you want to do. And it's just wide, like a wide, wide galaxy. Total open sandbox kind of thing. Like, is there like literally, a... 
Is there like a story the you can follow, or or is it literally um, just kind of doing MMO? It is an MMO in the sense that you will see other players. Other players can affect the world. Um, example, if I were to go to a station and buy out all of their cobalt and then sell it 50 light years out, that would affect the economy of that particular region. Interesting. Okay. So it's more so, about like the water cooler kind of like the players create the stories through interactions rather than yes. something like Sea yeah, of Thieves where, I mean, it is that, but like there's also those threads you could go chase if you want to, you know, work for this specific guild or do this or that. Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of background simulation, which is what a lot of players call it, which is basically like I work for the Federation under example. I'll take, I'll use me as an example. I work for the Federation under the, um, I guess, superpower of, I'm blanking on her name. I'm just going to say one other superpower just off the top of my head. I could work under Zachary Hudson. He is at present the highest level superpower. So if I run and do a bunch of missions for him, he's going to gain influence. He's going to gain systems. Other, other superpowers will lose systems and lose influence. Now, and is that an NPC or is that a player? That is an NPC. Okay. That okay. is an NPC. There is a base level of NPCs and pre-existing game but all the interactions you do are all player based that's cool I, games like that i find so fascinating on like a, a technological and sociological level but like that i find them to be like so intimidating and uh, yeah. every time i've tried to get into a game like that i'm like man I, I, if i was a different kind of gamer i would love this right but it would have to be like the only thing i played you know I feel yeah, like it's like learning the systems, right? You've got so much to dig into, but it also sounds like there's an entire economy you kind of have to get to grips with as well. Especially if like, oh, my cobalt here is super cheap, but if I fly out there, then it's going to be really expensive, and I can, you know, you've got to master all of those kind of things. Um, there isn't a lot of tutorial. Um, all, all of the information I gained was from friends who've also played the game. Yep. Yeah, that makes and sense. And Google. Google, uh, forums. I feel like that's how everyone gets into an MMO, though, right? It's well, and, it's a friend introduces yeah. and also, you. Like, that's yeah. like going to Destiny. I feel like survival games in, in, in general are also kind of like that, like the more like, not that this, to say this is a survival game, but like it sounds like it has a lot in common with those kinds of survival sandbox games, like something like The Forest or like Rust or something like that, where exactly, it is kind yes. of just like, hey, like this is a persistent world and, you know, you and your buddies can build a settlement, but if you log off, you might log back on and somebody burned it down, you know, or whatever, you know, things like yes, that. Yes, it's very similar to that. And so, like, I, you could, so there's something like 35, 37 different ships you can buy, ranging from 44,000 credits to 186 million credits. And, or sorry, <sighs> correction, 206 million credits. Now, can you, is there like a um, microtransaction system? Like, can you just pump money into it and get a ship like that or do you have to work for no it? no uh, there are microtransactions but they are pure cosmetics oh, that's uh, awesome. engine detailing like change the color of your exhaust change the color of your lasers you could paint the name of your ship on the side of it that's how i have it on mine i i put in 20 bucks just bought the basic kits like so put my names up and then just kind of leave it at that but no you cannot buy the you buy into the game with the base purchase, I think it's $40 default, maybe 35 And then you just go from there. Every every single person you see with a ship 
got it through work, not by that's cool buying it. I feel like <clears throat> you'd have to have it operate that way for a game with like a, a realistic economy like that to not be just total mm. nonsense, you know. Otherwise, yeah, you know, because way too easy to upend the system. Mm-hmm. Well, there there are some exploits, admittedly. I don't want to get super deep into it, but um, waste time on the show. But um, uh, occasionally you'll get a really good mission that's really easy. Example: go collect two hundred units of silver, and you'll get fifty million credits out of it. Whoa! Okay. And you can share that mission with your team with your friends. So what me and a group have been doing is we've been okay. I've got three missions for fifty mil. Hop on, we'll get them. All four of us then immediately got 150 million for zero work. Oh, so it's per person. It's not like yes, it's split. per person, not split. Okay. Wow. Yep. Okay, that's cool. That's very lucrative. Yeah. And what's the moment to moment gameplay gameplay like? Is it like a Rust first person style thing, or is it more like an Eve Online? There's more strategy. I'm looking at spreadsheets kind of thing. Um, have you ever played Euro Truck Simulator or American Truck Simulator? I have. Yeah. That picture of that, but throw in some <laughs> in space dog fighting every now and then. Yep, cool. Throw in that some really throw cool. in some dog fighting every now and then, and that is essentially your moment to moment. Do not tell Macaulay about this game. <laughs> yeah, but this is a hundred percent Macaulay's game. <laughs> oh, I'm tell Macaulay about this game, especially yeah. if there's like role play involved. Macaulay's big into like role playing. Uh, well. As per your request, I won't tell Macaulay, but that definitely you can seems tell like if no, you want. no. Well, you, they you, you definitely should. I'm sure they will. Like I them. probably will if they haven't already heard of it. No, they, um, they definitely haven't heard we, of it because me and my friends have actually just started up a clan, and we're going to try and influence our particular area. There a little you go. Bit. No, so. perfect. Yeah, call in, uh, call in some new blood. Then that'll work out perfectly. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of spacefaring adventure uh my my big achievement this week was um was closing the door on the mass effect trilogy um i've been chipping away at it since you know the legendary edition came out um last year now and uh i finally finished up mass effect 3 i think i talked a little bit about it last week in terms of where i was at i was kind of like um maybe 60 70% of the way through the game i um had just done the stuff on ranok which if you've played the game before you know if you're familiar with the universe you know what i'm talking about um so yeah i i spent like a couple days just like clearing out side quests and then you know i i literally got to a point where there were zero side quests left and i was i was not planning on doing that but i just kind of was like oh i don't really want to stop playing um so i kind of just <laughs> did everything that there was to do um with very did very you not just look like glance over to your your big impendingly growing backlog and think you know i do need to clean this game up at some point yeah i mean that is the mentality with which i went into playing it i was like i'm near the end i want to finish this before at, at least before uh pokemon legends rcs comes out all that stuff you know that's well, like, now kirby yeah like there's a lot on the on the horizon horizon included um, so I knew I needed to wrap up Mass Effect, uh, sooner than later. Um, but yeah, it really got me thinking a lot about Mass Effect 4. Cause like we saw that trailer and it has a lot of hints about kind of, um, where it looks like Mass Effect is going from here. And it, I like went down a deep rabbit hole of like reading all of these theories and picking a, picking apart the poster and, you know, um, the, 
one of the big wigs at Bioware um, just came out and recently talked about it and, and the next Dragon Age, and it said that there were, like, at least five hints about the future of Mass Effect, like, on the poster and the stuff that had been released already. So, like, everybody in the community was going nuts. It was a good, like, time for me to finish it because it was coincidentally back in the conversation, um, and I I went down that rabbit hole hard, and I have just so many feelings about the fact that I seemingly will get to pick up um, and have everything I did, you know, carry over now um, to the next game and that it's going to in that it's going to at least at some capacity be a direct sequel. Um, I'm very interested to see how that shapes out because there's some I don't know, there's some clues that maybe point to them like making certain choices canon, uh, which is something I would really be upset about. Because I feel like the whole point of the series is your ability to make choices and have your own journey. So I don't know. I, I'm i in such a weird spot because I feel like my hype level and my, you know, faith that Bioware is like on the right track and is going to deliver games that I'm excited about is higher than it's been in like a console generation at the very least, right? But like, why, why do you think that is there? Because like... The original blood, Casey Hudson's no longer there. So uh, he like got ousted from the studio. So what makes you feel that they can now deliver what they couldn't under his leadership? So I think it's a multifaceted thing. You know, I think like when you look at the the way that Bioware has been operating throughout the PS4 and Xbox One generation, um, there's a lot of choices that were made from the top down that affected um the way that certain products came out like dragon age inquisition i believe would be a better game if ea didn't have an across the board um initiative to bring everybody on frostbite right if you read uh blood sweat and pixels jason trier's book there's a chapter about inquisition and how those tools um were notoriously difficult to work with and that it really hampered development then you have Anthem, which is a you know again a, a game that Jason wrote quite a bit about and was plagued by some of the senior leadership not um, really agreeing on a direction and not being able to come together and and find the fun and agree on what the game should or shouldn't be. Um, and also, it felt like a game that was made in reaction to the success of Destiny. I won't blame that on EA, um, but it's something that it just it wasn't what Bioware should have been working on, in my opinion. And then Andromeda was made by their B team and was plagued in its own ways. And all of those... So it's like all of those failures come with very noticeable caveats, right? And those aren't things that like I'm trying to excuse away, but I think that what we've seen from EA over the last couple of years... And and Bioware, you know, in turn, in like the last year or so with the Mass Effect um, edition, is like a real change in in direction and culture. You know, and Steve, this is something you and I talked about with them, like feeling like they're trying to like change their image and kind of get back to their roots and court, you know, better press. And you know, we've talked a lot about the work that Vince Zampella um, has done since he joined the board. And what that meant for Respawn and, you know, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And again, a a huge change in policy where they've said for years they weren't interested in re-releasing and remastering games. They said a Mass Effect trilogy collection was never going to come. And it did. 
And now you have a Bioware that has still a good number of veterans still there um, and still, you know, in in big creative positions. But you also have a lot of young blood that are people, you know, our age, maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit younger that love Bioware's games and love their IP and love the kinds of games that Bioware is known for making and look at the, you know, critical and financial success that they found with, you know, uh, with the Legendary Edition. And in that that blog post um, that was made on their blog recently, they talked about how the games that they're working on now, Mass Effect 4 and, and the next Dragon Age, are what they're known for. They are those, like, classic story-driven single-player experiences, not, you know, these half-baked... Um, experiments with other styles of gameplay or like with projects that were frankly like un- underdeveloped or rushed you know and i i'm not i don't think it's a guarantee that they're going to slam but i think the fact that they took the time to go back to their roots and rework on the original mass effect trilogy and have that fresh in their minds while they're working on the next one is something that gives me a lot of hope that you know um that they'll be able to deliver the kind of game that that I love from them and that I've missed so much. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the Anthem thing didn't make sense on paper. Like looking at it, it looks like it should make sense. It destiny, it can tell a good story. Um, and I think Bioware could have done the same thing there. Like my, my, my history of Bioware is Baldur's Gate. It pretty much stops there. I didn't play any of the mass effect games or, or Dragon Quest games, but they're very different. And I think they could have gone through a transformation to to do something new, to do something fresh again. They just didn't do it well enough for it to stick. And going back to what they are good at and what they have historically been great at, I think makes a lot of sense. But EA seems to be nailing it with single-player experiences lately. So I'm glad to see that that's what they're going back to. Yeah, I mean, me too, because, I mean, Dragon Age has been cancelled twice now and restarted development, and... It went from being a proper single-player Dragon Age experience to being a Anthem-style online game to being restarted again. And, you know, it feels like between Bioware and the overall culture at EA changing, it feels like the right time for them to kind of get back to what they do best. And I'm just so excited for that. And, you know... I mean, if it if it doesn't come together, I can live with that because I've lived through a Mass Effect game I didn't like before, right? So I can I can live through it again. Um, but I have so much hope that it will be good, and just having that hope reignited is something that like it feels good. You know, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to get back into those worlds and to spend more time with their games. And hell, I'd love to see them <laughs> develop a new IP. <laughs> Would be nice, yeah. I mean, they tried it with with Anthem to be. To yeah, be but like, just do yeah. that. But but like, single player. But uh, yeah, but and make it a good yeah. game, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, have you got any like uh, history with Bioware games? Have you played Mass Effect or Anthem or anything? Um, you might have remembered I was very vocal about the death of Anthem when that mm-hmm. happened back on Reddit last year. I was very upset by that. Anthem had such a potential to be an incredible game even what i did play the unfinished buggy mess was great honestly 
Um, outside of that, I have very little to no experience with Bioware games. Outside, of, um, was Bioware a Fallen Order or was Fallen Order? No, a that's um, no, that's respawn. That's respawn. Respawn. Okay, so no, not Fallen Order, but um, I did play maybe an hour of Mass Effect One, two hours of Mass Effect One, seven or eight, about, nine years a, ago. That's about where I, where I got to be honest with it, Doc. <laughs> not yeah, play anymore. Well, you still have to finish that, don't you? Yeah, he does. No, it's not gonna happen. Pete's getting a trophy instead. Is such a, a console? It's coming out of your arena. You're too, paying but... for the trophy, then. All right, like it's, that's not coming out of the company's coffers, then. Um, this is ridiculous. This guy backing out. He's losing bets you and know, squelching. I, I traded that game in today. I actually traded that game in today. It's on Game Pass now. So it's like, why am I going to be a rat bastard? I hope you know that. I hope you know that. You, you no, hang on. You know that I'm very rare to come to Steve's defense, but it is on Game Pass, so he still has access I'm, to it. You're right, but I'm just saying he has no honor, Doc. No honor. That's true. That's true. There is a certain honor to be. Yeah. Well, as we know from. When, from last week's Nintendo noise, Pete rhymes with cheat, so it must be true, right? That's oh. what Trey was saying. <laughs> hey, and I said uh, we would have some words about the Pete slander, but we'll keep that off the podcast. <laughs> no, come to my defense, Doc. That's why I brought you on. I needed a champion here. I got my co-hosts conspiring against me uh, because it uh, be like calling me a cheater because one of my predictions was right. Like, pff, get out of here. Well, we don't know that yet. Was that again? And how was it he? Was the and Horizon how one. How how and, ridiculously and how easy it was. Yeah, because I said that Horizon wouldn't be delayed. To at the time, and you just kept it wouldn't be delayed, and, and then him. it wasn't delayed. How was that cheating? Oh. Well, we'll see. Because because it's somehow my fault that like they're out here predicting what things if it that does are get never delayed happen? now though. Because I'll, I'll be so satisfied if that one gets delayed it, and got a war arrives. It would be very on time. funny if it got delayed. Honestly, at this point, I would rub your face in it. Because I would be like, see, this is prime. This is proof that Steve is a cheater. Because he's calling me, calling me out for something. Because I was correct. Oh, the next day, something you predicted happened, cheater. It's like, what the fuck? It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was people in the Discord just pointing out the fact that. And then you tried to. Gold. Yeah, no, no, no. Look, the people in the Discord could say whatever they want. You're on the podcast, man. <laughs> You can't just be throwing slander out here. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's uh, let's transition over to our talking point for the week, which is going to be, I guess, we'll we'll say we'll say extended reality because we're going to talk about VR, but also AR, and you know, kind of just the metaverse and all of these different kinds of emerging technologies, and you know, specifically through the lens of games and. Um, you know, kind of what our experiences have been with them, what we think of the current landscape, and you know, kind of, I guess, what our what are our hopes for the future from both a positive and uh, uh, a negative sense? Because I have some thoughts on some of that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Doc, I I want to start with you with your personal history with with um with this tech because obviously like we said we brought you on because i know you have a lot of experience with vr you know i was an early adopter of vr and have since fallen off and steve is just getting into them now um so where where what is your relationship to vr and oh i'm sorry what what's up steve you're muted. Am I missing? I was saying I had, I had Google Cardboard. That counts, right? <laughs> no, get out of here. Here, <laughs> here I was. AR. Here as, I was thinking. As somebody who had Google Cardboard, I would say that's AR. This guy, right? You like, think so? Uh, definitely. 
Unless, I, unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure it had a spot for your camera to look through. It did, and it had this really cool like magnet thing on the side that like oh, interacted. Yeah, the button, right? yeah, it was, and it was a yeah. magnet. Yeah, yeah like the little cardboard the, like, button that had a touch sensitivity. Yeah. yeah, and it would push a button on your screen. <laughs> I do remember oh, back that when back when VR was still a way a baby concept. Yeah, definitely. I remember doing that at like a Verizon store, and it was like there was like a shark swimming by, and it was like, woo, like. I remember that. That's the yeah. one that stands out. So anyway, Doc, what, what's what's your history with the tech? Um, yeah, no, I picked up the Oculus Rift CV One, the original edition, back in twenty seventeen at base msrp look at this man just reaching back and grabbing his soda oh god i'm jealous man. to have i'm jealous of the refrigerator this is the one desk. thing i'm gonna miss about working in my kitchen i'll tell you what <laughs> you won't miss anything i'm just very yourself. jealous of the freedom that grants you um <laughs> just buy yourself yeah, an xbox yeah. mini fridge and you'll be done with it and then you'll have an excuse to do yeah, it you're right? right you're right yeah i should get one of those once they come back in stock sorry um, excuse me like, i'm derailing the show no that's all right that's all right i'm always up for some banter um yeah, so I had the the original Oculus Rift in 2017. It came with uh it was back when it was still a fledgling hardware. Um it came with two controllers, uh two sensors that you plug into your computer that you put like right in front and next to your computer so you could only front face. Um and the headset which plugged into your computer via HDMI and USB 3.0. Oh, it was two um, cable system. It was a two cable. It was a one cable that's one cable went from the headset at the back down into your computer, and then it branched off into HDMI and USB. Interesting. Um, okay. After an unfortunate incident in a sword fight, oh, uh, no. the trigger, uh, the triggers have a click, right? Like the like, think of the GameCube trigger. Yeah. Where you squeeze mm-hmm. it, and then it clicks at the end. Uh. The trigger no longer had that click after an unfortunate sword fighting incident. And then it also was just triggering itself. It didn't, it wasn't uh, responding to when I pressed it and it wasn't not doing anything when it wasn't being pressed. So, so it kind of just, just had a mind of its own a little bit. <laughs> it had a mind of its own, yes. So I was like, all right, well, I'll upgrade to the Oculus Rift S, which is the second generation. And that lasted. Two or three more, a couple, three or so years, which um, that one actually didn't have tracking stations. All the tracking sensors were in the headset. It had a bunch of camera dots here so we could track where your uh, controllers were relative. Um, but the issue I had with that, aside from Facebook, which I believe Pete said we'll get into later, um, uh, was that if you have a second monitor the software would not recognize your headset. Oh, no, really? Oh, really? Yeah, if you have a second monitor, it will not recognize your headset. If you have anything more than just a keyboard and mouse that would be taking USB power from your power supply, it wouldn't recognize the headset. That's crazy. And I looked it up. I've plugged my Quest Quest 2. I've plugged it into my my Mac running Windows, and it it finds it fine. Well, that's... You're running on a. Is, you have a tower, I assume. That like is a tower an, computer. It's an iMac with. Uh, well, I mean, like by tower computer, I mean not monitor. a laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So a tower, like a state. Well, one. I. I mean, I troubleshot it. Troubleshot. Troubleshooted. 
I don't know. Whatever the <laughs> past tense is for that. Because uh, my dad's computer is a step below mine, but it's a fully functional gaming computer with VR capability. So I was like, all right, I'll make sure that it's not my headset and that it's just my, you know, something else. I plug it in. Works perfectly fine because he's got one monitor, one keyboard, one mouse, and that's it. Interesting. Hmm. So I was like, all right, I'll, I did a little Googling. Turns out everybody who has an Oculus with two monitors or multiple USB inserts has the same exact issue. So I said, uh, well, to heck with this. <laughs> I'm going to go get a Valve Index. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's a big expense, right? Um, it was not cheap, but I had also been saving for it for a while anyway. That, 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 was, um, that was like $800 new, right? That was it the is premium. It is 999 MSRP. Okay, yeah. And that's um, insane because you have to buy the headset, the base station, and the cameras. and the controllers. And the controllers, right. Mm-hmm. And then there's what, four tracking cameras, right? You can have up to cameras. four. You okay. can have up to four, but it comes with two. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember um, a friend of mine has, um, I don't actually, I guess I don't know if he still has it. I haven't used it in a while. But uh, he had it, and I remember he had four, and it would be like you'd set up the grid, and then you had that kind of here's the box exactly. that you can operate within. Right, and if you get too close to the box, like if I were to stick my hand out, it would actually pop up a grid wall. Yes, in my right, yeah, view and put an outline on. It the would floor. like show you the real world. Yeah, and be like no, 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 you're breaking into the other reality. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't <laughs> see. There's no cameras on the index that would show you the real world, but it would show you where the wall was or where oh, okay. your play wall was. Maybe I'm thinking of a different headset. Did the, the, did the Rift have a similar thing? Because the Quest the Two Oculus has systems. the Guardian. System. The Oculus, Where? yes, they have a they have a similar Guardian system, and the Rift S, and I believe the Quest, if it has a camera, if it has a camera on the front of it, it'll actually flip on the external cameras and show you, hey, it does, yeah, you're like two okay. inches away from punching your TV. Okay, yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking of because I think my cousin has that one, and I've I've tried yeah. that there as well. But um, yeah, so I said, uh, to heck with this, I'm gonna get an index because um. Obviously, you guys, I don't have you guys on Facebook, you wouldn't know, but I deleted my Facebook, my Instagram, I completely purged it, not just a deactivation, like, it does not exist, um, at the end of last year. And I was like, well, the thing with that, Oculus requires a Facebook account. Yep. They do. <laughs> like, you, like, you cannot access... one you, last week. Like, if, if I didn't get an index, I would not be able to access my library, I wouldn't be able to play online, my friends list, I would have to run solely through Steam. Um, that's so frustrating. Yeah. So apparently, like, right. they are changing it though, right? That's that's the word on the street. Is that new CEO has has made a point of saying that this is changing and it's not going to be the case. I haven't heard anything like that, but I could see with the transition to Meta and focusing on yeah. VR. Then... I, I think what is going to happen is you can have a rather than a Facebook account, you can have a Meta account. Yeah. And right. You log into all of their services with a Meta account. It's essentially going to be the same thing, uh, but rather than it being linked to Facebook, if you don't want Facebook, but you want like a just a meta account for your Oculus, you could do right, that. right. Like I mean, there's a few games on Oculus that I that are not on Steam. Like I don't have access to the Vader Immortal series anymore. I don't have access to Poker Stars, which was really fun. It's basically just online poker with fake money. No, no, I was enjoying the involved. slot machines in that the other, the other day. It's great. <laughs> I'll have slot there now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can just sit the there, play slot machines. There's a whole casino now. You can do roulette well. Oh, all of it. It's great. I'm missing out. I think I still have my rift up, up in the attic, but <laughs> I'm not about to go and break out the Facebook account again. 
So is that but, um, is that your still your current headset or No, no, I'm on the Index now. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's hooked up and another issue I have with the Oculus, I had to restart my computer every time I wanted to play it. I had to pull a monitor out, restart the computer, mm-hmm. get the rift oh working, God. yeah, no thanks. And then put the second monitor back in, and I was like, "Well, why am I doing 20 minutes of work which could potentially crash and ruin everything, which is what happened during my extra live stream?" Which was the straw oh, that broke no. the back. Oh yeah, just ask Sierra. She was with me for the whole forty-five minutes that I was tearing <laughs> oh, my computer no. apart. If it was anywhere near the rage you expressed at Danny during the CFV <laughs> um, stream. It, it, unfortunately, it wasn't near that because I couldn't direct it towards anything. Because I'm because company doesn't care. I can't yell at a company. You're just defeated. Yeah, I, I I've yeah. been there. Th- there's nothing more frustrating than when you're trying to like do a show or a, a production of some kind and you're just having like a technical issue where, where it's like this has worked every other time and now i've got people it, sitting here watching me or precisely that it worked 10 minutes prior during uh a dry run to make sure that it was functioning yep. i put the headset on drives me nuts yeah it's connected done yeah, that's didn't a, work that's a tough that's i i would I would also have gotten rid of that piece of technology. Yeah, no, so I, I double-checked it worked on my dad's computer. It was fully functional. It was it was just how it doesn't like my computer. Gave it a really good cleanup. eBayed it. Immediately put that money right towards uh towards the index. Gotcha. And where I am happily still using the index. Nice. So I'm curious of like a comparison between it. The one thing I'm most curious about... Because I saw you holding the knuckle controller. Yeah, How does it I, I, I figured to the the touch controller. That's actually, I love this thing. That's actually the same controller as the Rift S, um, but mine is merged. The ones on the Rift S were black instead of white. The yeah, the original Quests were were black instead of white. They've changed yeah. the whole the whole headset. It's is now this like off white gray color. But you've got the cameras that you were right. talking about all the way. Yeah, it. it's the so same the original Rift. The controllers were the same as that one, but the rings were on the bottom not the top okay um you have the same as the rift s because i think they're trying to standardize from what i can gather mm-hmm. um, they've actually phased out the rift s now this is the only headset they sell oh they're only selling quest now yeah so they're definitely trying to standardize and then there's that uh link cable you could buy i assume for pc vr do not buy that link cable it's just a USB-C cable that's overpriced and a USB-C oh, cable like will work 85 dollars or something like that yeah that's you ridiculous. can also do it uh, wirelessly through Oculus Air Link. Um, yeah, but that runs through your Wi-Fi and eats up a lot of your bandwidth, I've heard. Yeah. So, but and then the Index controllers. Um, I had it before because I knew it would probably come up. Um, it's just very simple. Yeah, they're crazy handed. looking compared to to this. They're the thing Hold down strapping. the side, and that's the tracking sensors down the, um, the like knuckle bit. This right here is the is what the headset sensors will look for. Okay. Or the tracking stations would look for. Yeah, for those for of this you based on the orientation. For those of you who are uh, audio listeners, um, we're we're showing them off on on YouTube. If you've seen like a traditional, uh, you know, VR controller, that's like the one that that Steve was just showing off. Is like it's you got the, you know, move Wiimote style. Looks very much like the PSVR too. Yeah, right. they're paddles. Yeah. They're paddles, and they've got little it's things a big that ring can ring halo on it. Yeah, that can track Break your the two grips off of controller off and have them separately. Yeah, like they're almost like Joy-Cons or something like that. Whereas the mm-hmm. one that, that Doc's showing off, um, it has like 
Could you hold it up again? Yeah, yeah. The best way I can describe it. The best way I can describe it. Picture a capital D. Yeah, and it, and it has a wrist and, handheld yeah. thing, and like it looks they a used lot. To have a Thrustmaster joystick that looked exactly like that it's, in the oh, early two thousands. Oh, uh, like a flight stick. I've got one of those. Now. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, does. It, it does exactly have that kind like of look that. to it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you were asking about the touch sensitivity. So it does have sensors, so it picks up. Like if I do this, my model in game will actually. Right. Or mm-hmm. I'm wiggling my fingers for the audio listeners. Um, it will actually. Wiggle my fingers the same way. The trigger has a touch sensor as well as the squeeze sensor. And then same with the AB. Um, yeah, they're all capacitive. Yeah. yeah, AB, touchpad, and the stick will all recognize contact. Interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so obviously, you know, even just like talking through a few of those examples, like we've seen a lot of um, evolution in the technology in a, in a pretty small amount of time going from the point where you had way more simplistic controllers and all these wires stuck to your head and everything. And now, you know, we're getting, we're seeing a lot of development in, you know, the evolution of the control schemes and, you know, pretty much every headset from now on will be wireless, right? Like that's, you know, pretty much everybody's got their wireless version out now. At at least there'll be a wireless version, but I do think there's still going to be a need for like display link direct feed straight into right, a headset the index is wired the index mm-hmm. is also wired it's got a, okay. same thing it's got a head a wire coming off the back it goes out splits into a display port and a USB-C okay. or USB mm-hmm. 3 but um the 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 only reason that's still the thing is VR there's no way to get the technology required for full scale VR into such a compact box yeah right um which is i think like, one, one of the interesting things about the technology right is like you you we've seen a lot of evolution in in the la- over the last couple of years but um it still definitely has a lot of challenges in that regard like it feels like the biggest barrier to it being more than it is is that the technology is just literally not there yet there are limitations in terms of being able to make things small enough and you know more cost effective and all those things because you know obviously um even the cheapest VR headset is, you know, um, I mean, it's come down quite a bit, but it's still, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Um, I think it's $300 for a Quest at this point right. on a good day. Which is, like, not a bad point of entry, but it's also not... No. It's prohibitive. But it's, it's, it's like buying a uh, used modern console or well, it's the same price as a series s right right and um, i think that's right. um for something that is like I-, I would say inarguably a more niche product you know it's something that you will not get as much use out of as no undoubtedly or undoubtedly mm-hmm. um so uh, although i do think that depends on the on the person yeah because i do think there are some people that just do not play consoles but are more likely to crack something like this out that you can just use on its own and and pop it on your head like i don't have any of those same issues that doc had where i've got to like set it up put sensors in a specific room or anything like that with the quest you just put it on your head and it it works way more immediately yeah yeah way more plug and play kind of experience i i tried a quest uh two two is the current one right the white was it a white one yeah that's the quest two yeah. yeah i tried one of those um last year and that was the first time i had had like a wireless vr experience and um it definitely felt a lot 
a lot less cumbersome than some of the more like I guess now legacy hardware that I had experienced before. Um, but it does come into a question here. I want to pull out of the question block. This one comes from uh, one of our Patreon producers, Andy Radford, who wrote in and said, do the vast majority of people slash gamers really want to sit around for a couple of hours with something strapped to their head? And that's something I, I mentioned last week. Um, and I think that was something that I found interesting with the Quest was, uh, or with the Quest 2, I should say, was getting to that point where, oh, this is way lighter and mm-hmm. it doesn't have shit strapped to it. And this is a way better, more comfortable, uh, more plug and play type experience. And I still felt this way. I still hit a point where I was like, I was playing, um, what is it? That uh, that Walking Dead game that came out last year. It's like Saints and Sinners. Saints and Sinners. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like a fairly, you know, fairly impressive game. Um, it was one of the more like, robust vr experiences um that, that that and resident evil 4 i will probably say are the most impressive games on the quest platform at the moment okay yeah so it's so it's up there it's one of the more like looked at as one of the more premium experiences mm-hmm. right um and i think i played it for like 45 minutes and i was like yeah i'm good like i'm my eyes were starting to feel tired. Like I was my, my, you know, my head was like a little bit uncomfortable. I didn't want to be, I had been standing for a while and then I tried sitting down cause I realized I didn't really need to be standing for the way that the game was. And like, I ended up just hitting this point where I'm like, this is cool, but the novelty of it wore off pretty quickly in terms of like, Whoa, like this is a really immersive walking dead experience. This is neat becomes mundane pretty quickly for me as a player and then i'm just like this is just a it's just a shooter or a this or that and and it's a little clunkier and less comfortable and less fun to play than something that's you know more traditional um at least for me you know and i i'm i would by no means call myself like a vr hater but like i think i'm increasingly realizing that like uh, it it really feels like a novelty for me in a lot of ways. And I think that what, you know, what Andy wrote in here is like one of the things that really has been a barrier for me is like, it's just not as comfortable as looking at my nice, you know, 4K, 55, 60 inch, whatever the fuck I have now, uh, you know, QLED TV. Like, I just feel like that's a better experience than this tiny compressed camera that's on my fucking face and I can't wear my glasses with it or they're uncomfortable or my eyes get strained or what the fuck ever, right? Like, all these problems. Yeah, but see, those those are, like, some of those factors I think you could change. So, like, you put a decent head, like, head strap on it. I think that would make it a lot more comfortable. If you really got into it, you would probably buy prescription lenses so you could actually see better you'd probably measure your IPD, which is your intrapupillary distance, to find out which setting on the Quest or whichever headset you get is actually suited to your eyes so you don't get as tired quickly. A lot of those things can happen. But, I mean, I will say I can probably play for an hour at most and then I, I take the thing off. But I don't think that's a problem. Like, an hour-long experience is still... A, I've still entertained myself for an hour had a really good time with it. And there are experiences that I don't think maybe the Walking Dead game is not a, a great example, but I do think there are experiences that you can't really get 
in a traditional game that you can only experience in in VR. I definitely like, acknowledge that. Like like something like Job Simulator, right, is like very unique in that that could only be in VR and and that's cool and it's whatever and it's novel, but like again, it's like I played that game and it was cool and it was novel, but like once I had played it for like 20 minutes, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I've seen what this is, you know? And it's like uh, to your point, how immersive was like the the Walking Dead there? Because I played one called Pal of Shack yesterday, and I almost ran into my TV. It was like teaching me how to do a grenade. Yeah, and I dropped the grenade on the ground, and I looked down at the ground, and the grenade was about to blow up. And I went to run, and I was like, "Shit, no, I can't run because if I run, I'm gonna hit my TV." Yeah, <laughs> so I had to move my stick to walk off, and that was like the first moment I'd had where I was like, "Holy shit!" Like uh, my mind. Even though I know, looking at this, that this is a game, it doesn't look phenomenal. You got tricked. Because like, I'm running this on like best century an Android phone. It still tricked my brain into thinking, that grenade's going to explode and kill me in a minute. Which just blew me away. Yeah, and I've had that. Like I, um, I mentioned earlier, I had a friend who had a Vive. And I remember uh, the first time that he brought it over to my house, we went to my basement. And we I had a big open space on the floor so we were able to really set it up properly and have the nice big space and everything and i don't remember what the name of the game was but it was like a shooting gallery type game where there's like all these robots in a factory that turn evil and they try to kill you and what's that was it boneworks could be boneworks could yeah could have been um I'm surprised you didn't vomit if it was boneworks that game looks intense i don't know but uh i i remember like uh playing and there was a moment where um, I was like, you know, like ducking and hiding behind stuff and whatever and that kind of thing. But I remember I was watching my friend play and he was shooting and somebody came up and he literally did like a belly dive, like dove forward and was still (laughs) shooting and was like, oh shit. And like really, really was like in it, you know? And like, yeah, like those moments are really fun and, and, and cool. And I don't mean to um to denigrate them but i also i'm like yeah like that is cool and fun but it's the kind of thing i'd rather have it be like my friend has it and it's like look at this cool thing rather than me going through the trouble of it all the time you know it's like going through the and it's like but what like what does it need to do in order for you to like like, where, where does it need to get to what price point what like form factor or like thing because like the quest is that point where it's got hand tracking as well. So you don't even need to use a controller if you don't want to. In some games, you can just use your hands. Yeah. Like um, Vacation Simulator, which is a follow-up to Job Simulator. You don't need to use a controller at all. You can just pick up a bun with your hands That's and like, cool. make a burger. So I think for me, the big thing is like, I don't, I think price is less important to me than, because I, you know, I, piss money away on stupid stuff all the time i'm an enthusiast like i bought an arcade cabinet that i have no need for right I'll, I'll buy something that's expensive if i feel like it's worth it but i i've not i think for me it's both the it needs to be more plug and play and it needs to be and there needs to be a higher caliber of experiences because mm-hmm. the best experiences i've ever had on vr are not something i want to play for more than like 15 or 20 minutes you know and i just don't think that 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 to me that feels tough you know and i'll bring in another question here and i'll turn this over to doc uh this one comes from another one of our patreon supporters matthew murphy who wrote in and said what do you guys think is the real hook of vr i know there's a lot of 18 plus jokes about why you should own an oculus but in terms of games why does it really matter does one good game justify a 500 plus dollar experience i mean all right before that before you hand over to doc i just want to say 
how many people bought a PS5 to play Spider-Man? It's the exact same thing. Like, people might buy PSVR 2 in order to play the Horizon VR game that looks fucking great. You Like, it, it all depends on if that experience is something you're willing to, to dive into. It. Like, I can imagine a lot of people bought VR so they could play the new Half-Life game. So, and I just want to respond to that point that you made, which is, I think that's a little different because we've talked about how when you buy a new console, it's very much like I'm investing in the future of this dev- of this ecosystem, right? And I can pretty much bank that I will get at least five years out of my PlayStation 5 and that I'll get X number of exclusive games that will increase in quality as, you know, the over the life cycle of the um, the device, Whereas, like, you know, VR has only existed for, like, five years, and Doc, our expert, has had five headsets, four headsets? Three. Uh, still a lot. Three, and and what? And to be fair, one of them was my own user error. I'm not going to sure. rip into the technology for that. And I'll put it this way. Controllers and tables do not mix when you <laughs> swing them at Doc Jesus. <laughs> um, but, but point being, I, I don't think that those are as much one-to-one, because... I think that these are, like, generally speaking, they're on par or more expensive for something that I think you're getting less bang for your buck. I would counter that because a lot of the a lot of the game, and I'm not trying to um, rip into the experiences you've had, um, but no. a lot of the games you were describing were were party tech demos. For for lack of a better phrase, party tech demos. Like I would say, take like Gorn or yeah, Job I played Simulator that. Similar. Um, then you once you get used to it, I I always compare it to getting your sea legs. Right, you get yeah. used to VR. You get used. Like I I think in the last week I've probably spent five or six hours with a box strapped to my head, cumulatively. Um, How you long get do you used go for at a time? Because like my my dad obviously right and said, who wants to sit around for a couple of hours? Do you? How long is it, your play session usually? It depends on the game. I feel like playing. Um, my okay. longest session was probably four hours, and that was in <laughs> VR chat. Okay. That was in VR okay. chat uh, at a because one of the groups I'm in, we'll just all hang out in VR chat for hours and hours and hours, just hanging out, doing little games, exploring the worlds there. Um. But if you but once you get used to VR, you would check out something like maybe Blade and Sorcery, which takes Gorn and then ramps it up to a more realistic level to the point where, like, if you fall more than 20 feet, you're going to take damage. I think uh, what is it? I think Blood and Truth, I think, was that that was like a that was a, one of the Sony first party ones that I think came out. It was like one of the last big games on PSVR. Um, and I think that was like you a know, similar I'm, I'm- deeper more you know fully realized like rpg type experience yeah i think the problem i had with playstation vr was there was no way to move other than teleportation or it being on rails you didn't have a stick on those move controllers and so if you wanted to play with the move controllers and the motion and stuff you're stuck with one of those teleportation types like teleportation types whereas like the more modern vr systems all have sticks on the controller and you can you can just move around freely which is what you would expect right and then again like i said that's something you'd have to get used to when i first got the headset when i first got my first oculus when i moved forward i'm the world moved around me but my brain didn't so i would actually like 
Oh yeah, I would like mm-hmm. car inertia move back a little bit. I had uh, oh, what was that game? It was the mech fighting game? It was one of the first ones. Oh, I can't remember it, but um, I'm sure somebody in the chat remembers. But that was a game that I really I remember having that because there was like an elevator, like you were in this mech, and I think you used the regular PlayStation controller. Um. But it would be like you would turn your head and you would like see around, you know. Was it Riggs? Yeah, yeah, Riggs. It was Riggs. I, I, I think it, I also played that. So I might be conflating features from two different games. But I definitely played that one as well. And I think had a similar experience where uh, there was an elevator that you would get in and it would bring you down to the area where you would actually walk around and, and play and fight or whatever. And every time I would go in the elevator... Uh, like because I didn't feel the elevator moving, like I had like a feeling disembodied, <laughs> kind of. It was weird. Yeah, it it really yeah. it fucks with your like spatial reasoning. You that's you get very used to that very quickly if you just stick with VR. I can say that from experience. I like I picked up Skyrim VR when that was yeah still hot and fresh. That threw me off for a while, but then I was like, all right, boom, done. Um. The the only games I really can't do that would throw me off in terms of like motion sickness and vertigo, Elite Dangerous has a VR option. Mm. Similar to you were saying, you have the headset on, but you have a controller or yeah, access yeah. to your keyboard if you remember your hotkeys. Um, but I can move around on a two D plane just fine. I can run, I can jump, I can swing a sword and not hit my table and break my controller. <laughs> um. <laughs> And scar my hand. I don't know if you could see it, but uh, you scarred have... your hand from VR. From VR. I... Oh my god! When I say I hit the table, let's say this. Is, uh, I'm holding up a water glass for the audio. Is I swing up, smash the table oh, at no. full swing. Oh. oh man! But um, but yeah, you, the only things that really throw me off at this point would be really dangerous because that's you're in a you're in a ship and you're rotating, spinning. Adjusting, you know. I I did that with I, uh, Ace Combat Seven. I remember, and I actually was okay with that because for some reason my brain was like fine with the idea that it's like you're in a cockpit because it's like yeah. Wait, but- I'm the exact same when I'm sat down and I'm moving. It's, it's like fine. I'm just in a car. Or uh, I'm exactly, on a train. exactly. The counter with that is you guys have a horizon. There's no horizon in space. That's true. Okay. Oh my god! So you've yeah. got the ground, okay. so you know. Okay, well, my brain is supposed to be tricked into being at a thirty-degree angle, right? Slightly right, tilted okay. downwards. In space, everything's just moving. That's so interesting. Yeah, I that that is something that I definitely. Um, it's an interesting quirk of it for sure. Um, but Doc, to take it back to Matt's question, so w- what do you think is the hook? Like, as somebody who was an early adopter, continues to you know fuck around with vr what is it about it that speaks to you it initially was the novelty i will not lie and say that it wasn't just the novelty of being able to play a game in vr um at this point though i would say it's more the social experiences in a game like I, i'm just happening to note uh pete's list of games or not pete steve's list of games he's got rec room on here um i'm sure you've heard of vr chat I was in VR chat. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was playing Rec Room with a friend. We played some paintball in it, and it was just so much fun, just yeah. like running around and shooting people. Yeah, VR chat is like Rec Room, but I don't want to say it's the Wild West, but it's much more expansive. It seems but that also like no, it definitely there's... is the Wild West. I accidentally ended up in some 
room, which I think was run by like an OnlyFans person, and she had like on the wall it was like um, like top supporters. That and would stuff. not surprise me. There's a lot of there's a lot of NSFW content you can stumble into. Um, a lot of furry content. A lot of public worlds where people will just be. <laughs> like wild as someone who's like very on the outside of like vr and and like this community like what i know about vr chat is just like things i've seen in screenshots like that and like it reminds me of what's what's that um what is is it ready player one is the thing i'm thinking of right it was a book and then like there was the steven spielberg movie maybe no no, not Ender's Game. Maybe it's Ready Player. Yeah, Ready Player yeah, One. Yeah. Ready Player was, one yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it, like everybody had like all, all all these different characters as their avatars right. and everything. Like that's right. the impression that I've gotten and, from it is and, that it's kind of like a primitive version of that. <laughs> yeah, and and to VR Chat's defense, it's that's probably ten percent, but it's a very vocal minority. Like the group yeah. I'm in, we're a Halo themed group. So I my avatar is like a Spartan with custom armor, custom color schemes. Um, uh, but you could, you could find a Link avatar. You could find a Frisk avatar from Undertale. You could just be some dude. You could be a, like, if you were doing like a recording for some machinima, you could find a camera avatar that would match. So you obviously have a camera for a head. So people would know this is where you're looking. That's what's on film. Huh. Okay. Oh my God, that's so weird. I was dressed up as a banana. I was having a great time. <laughs> So, um, so yeah. So you're saying it's it's more it's more the the social experiences and those kinds of things. How, where do in, you? Oh, go ahead. 2022. Go ahead. Yeah, it's in 2022. It's the social experience, and then there's other games like Blade and Sorcery, like I was saying before. Um, I could go play Skyrim, press the right trigger, swing the sword. Press the right trigger, swing the sword the exact same way, and just keep you know repeating the same motions out ad nauseum. There's no like motion like that. Um, like- in in console. Skyrim, yeah, but if I were to go into Blade and Sorcery, it's full one-to-one tracking. That's so cool. I could have a uh, 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 buckler on my right arm and a dagger on my left, and I could bash with the buckler and then go in for another side hit with the the thinner end of it, and then slice, and that would actually register as a smash, a hit, and then a slice. That's cool. With no in, tables in the way, though. No tables. Yes, with no tables in the way. I have since moved the coffee table out of the room when I. <laughs> um, and there's a certain and and it's it's a level of immersion as well. I don't know. Did I say immersion for this particular point? No, I don't know. no. Yeah. So there's a level of immersion, right? So like, if I'm playing Star Wars Battlefront on my computer, I'm moving. Or I have my hand on a keyboard, my hand on a mouse, and I'm looking at a screen, and I'm just moving my hands. If I'm playing, let's say, Pavlov VR, which is an FPS, I'm actually in the battlefield holding the rifle in my hands, ducking undercover, reaching out and shooting, as opposed to, you know, just control, click, click, WASD. I find that to you be... Know, honestly, Pavlov was so cool. Like... I love it. And the mod support is incredible as well. Just for VR um, in general like... or for that game? Yeah, like... For I I keep going back to Blade and Sorcery, but that's my go-to game right now. Yeah, I downloaded a mod called The Outer Rim that adds 120 lightsabers. Oh shit, that's awesome! Like 50 different lightsaber colors you can put on all the blasters. Yeah, I mean it's it's very cool that 
because VR is niche, like the people that are into it are like real into it. There's like a real enthusiast. You know, There's an enthusiast level, correct? Yeah, community yeah. to it, um, which is which is definitely cool, and I can definitely see the appeal of that. Do you think it's going to break out of that though? Like, I really think PSVR two is like the one to do it if it can do it. It's it's already the second best selling PSVR is the second best selling headset after the Quest two, and I think with like a one cable system, if they can get the price right, with killer games like that, it looks like they're bringing some of their big franchises into it this time. Which I think was part of the problem last time is we mainly had like stuff on rails or smaller experiences. Like Beat Saber is still I mean, the number one PSVR game. They they had a lot of the best licensed stuff too, though. Like they had like that Iron Man game. They were like the Spider Man one. They had the I Batman see, that game. Iron Man game is what really kills me about not having PSVR. Yeah, and like they, I, I am not a big superhero guy. It's like I'm not big into the MCU. I really only watch the MCU because me and my ex were big into it and i just happened to click with it Mm -hmm. iron man vr was the one thing that was like man i really want a psvr just for that one game but i'm not gonna sell out ip that it just makes sense right you can see how easy it would be for that to be fucking rad (laughs) and even then even then there's vr chat worlds where you can where there's things set up where you can just shoot your hand out you got a spider-man whip you're already flying you don't need to download a new game or get new hardware you can just do boop vr chat i'm flying a spider-man yeah and that is cool um but i wanted to touch on something that you said before that i think is an interesting note which is like the uh the immersion element of it because i i find that to be really interesting because we talked about um like those moments right where like you get lost in it and you're like oh like i feel like i'm really here and right. those moments i feel like do have that heightened kind of sense of of uh, immersion or reality for me but more often than not i find i have the opposite effect it has the opposite effect where because i'll have uh it's interesting because I- i've noticed it with things like if i'm in a world where i can interact with things and then i find something i can't interact with i'm like oh or like if i have that moment where i do bump up against the area I'm not supposed to go anymore. And I'm like, all oh, right, this is a video game. Like, I feel like there are so many p- moments that take me out of it that remind me I'm playing a video game that I actually find it to be like less immersive overall than when I'm playing a game and I really like get in a rhythm with it and commit to it, you know? And yeah, like I'm only moving my hands or whatever, but like I have those moments where, like, um, if I'm playing, like, an open world game and I jump off of a cliff and I don't have, like, a glider or something like that to do, like, my stomach drops, you know? And, like, I, I, I do get immersed in traditional games in a way that I find I'm often not able to get all the way there um, with VR experiences, I think, because of some of the, the technical limitations, which is why, like, I'm interested in... I'm interested in seeing where the tech goes from here. And that actually takes us into our last question of the day, which comes from another one of our Patreon supporters, Trendy Brendy, who wrote in and said, it's not a very creative use of the technology, but something I've wanted since I was a kid, uh, and this stuff was science fiction, was for there to be a VR mode in most games, like the one Nintendo threw in Breath of the Wild, just being the camera while I play the game regular-like. Motion sickness would be awful for most people, but I'd like it. What VR gameplay ideas are you most excited about? And I think for me, I am like most excited by the idea of um, 
limited experiences that are not at the home. Like I I could really see like theme parks being the best place for VR. Cause like imagine being in like a like a laser tag facility, right? But everybody has goggles on and is actually holding a physical gun and then you can have cameras like you know maybe that blend ar and VR. That, that exists you and, can go and do that yeah and like, yeah they have um they make gyms. technology they call them um they have stand-in technology for vr um some are 360 degree treadmills some are little bowls with right, uh, right. capacitive sensors and i just i feel like the closer we get to those kinds of things the more likely it is for it to be something that like I'll vibe with, especially because the intent of that would be to be limited, right? It would be, oh, you're going to go in for a round of laser tag, which is the example I always go to. Right. Because it's something that already exists. You can see easily how that would work. Yeah, the biggest issue with something like that is prohibitive cost and space. Like, for the bowl and the treadmill, you would need at least a 6x6 area to put it, and not everybody who has a VR headset has a 6x6 space. Right, yeah. And and that's the thing, right, is, like, I I am very interested about, like, seeing what, like, a Disney or a Universal or, or something like that does where they can, you know, build a hangar that is just for right. VR experiences. On an industrial scale, it would be... yeah incredible like you know like imagine it's like oh it's a fantasy experience and everyone pops on their goggles and you've got the foam sword and i've got the foam bow and oh there's Mm -hmm. a dragon like you know like those are things i think could be really cool and really immersive and you know we could be in the room and see each other but we've got weird costumes on and like that kind of thing or or whatever right like it's an avatar i don't know i think those are the things that i'm most excited about and when it comes to like home consumer vr i feel like the things that are going to be most interesting are like probably non-game applications like i I think it would be way more interesting to be able to be like you know front row center at an event that you could never afford to go to as a poor person but you can pop on your vr goggles and feel like you're sitting there right like those kinds of things are the things that i feel like are going to be the most exciting to like average consumers anyway they're they're cool but like i i I don't know i just i've had so many uh, like in the short week i've had this thing I, I've already had so many experiences where I have just been immersed. Like I was playing Half-Life 1 and there's that. I don't know if either of you have played Half-Life, but you come down in that the, lift and there's all the those like... The 1998 Half-Life? The 1998 that's Half-Life. That's in VR? Yeah, it is. Dr. Oh, B for That's, news to it. Me. that's cool. great. <laughs> um, and, I, and there's the thing where all the head crabs like jump down and you're on this lift and they're like all over my head and I'm like freaking out and shooting <laughs> like my gun at them and they're yeah. like attacking me and yeah. st- I, like all those kind of things are just they're so much fun and I just I'm hungry for for more and I really think if anyone could do it Sony could do it with with VR too and I, and I just hope that we get exactly what Trendy Brandy wants I really think it's not a boring concept to just want to be the the camera because that's essentially what you should be but you combine that with a more immersive experience like in Palov like I've got to pull the gun off of my hip I've got to get a clip out and put it in the gun and now I'm like reloading it and then when I run a reload I've got to take the old clip out and put check it on the floor it's the same thing with Half-Life Alex and in in something like Half-Life Alex Pete you said like 
or I, I get taken out of it because there's things I can't interact with. You can interact with everything in that game. I'm very interested to try that because of that element yeah. to it. You know, like that sounds and, really impressive. And what Valve did with the production value, they actually have a, the their main selling point was that it it was built for the index. I put the controller a couple feet behind me, but it was built for the index with full five finger tracking. Mm-hmm. And it actually had like if you could grab a bottle of wine and you move it around, you'll see the fluids inside of it moving to match what you did. It was built for VR. It wasn't just a game that was ported over, right? Or a or a single A indie game. Yeah, and um, I, I think by... that's something that like is another one of the things that I think has probably been part of why VR hasn't as grown as much as it could. Is that like. Because it's a more niche product, I feel like a lot of the bigger players are kind of gun shy about investing mm-hmm. the amount of resources it requires to make an Alex. Um, right. You know, because it's like really. But like, if Sony can sell as many as they did of the original VR yeah. headset, I think and I think they could sell. Why more. wouldn't you sell? Why wouldn't you sell a seventy dollar game to people that bought that? Because they're they're hungry for the games anyway. They they've bought your console. They've bought your headset. Now just sell them games. I think that's when more developers get on board and start making more experiences. We might see someone like Ubisoft or EA get into that space and bring in some of their franchises. Potentially, you imagine like a full Star Wars game in VR that's not like Vader Immortal, but like a full on. I don't know. Yeah. Just like you're there with your lightsabers and you're like right. blocking like, all the blasters coming at you as I you're walking down the, the area. I just don't feel like we're there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Squ- See, Squadrons is the kind of thing I think makes sense because you're in a fucking right. cockpit anyway, right? Like, that is perfect. But the idea of, like, right. a and, full... And going back to what you said, there's a certain level of suspension of disbelief that you need to truly enjoy full VR. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm walking around a castle and I see a, a cage on the ground that I can move the door of, yeah, fine. I'm obviously not going to think, well, I can now move the whole cage. I'll, I think that's built into the world and i can only move door but i feel um, like that's the same with video games in general right i'm not like uh, i know all that that door's got gold handles so i can go through that one but the rest of them they're like black candles so i'm not allowed to go in those doors but i don't get upset about it it's a subconscious suspension of disbelief yeah yeah but that's the thing is i think it's the it's the uncanny valley effect whereas the more close to real life something is the more you expect of it to be real so when you have those moments where you bump up against it for me anyway, right? It, it, that's, you know, I'm just one player. Um, right. Those moments break my immersion more than like in a in a quote unquote, you know, traditional game. If there's a door I can't open, I'm like, okay, I can't open this door. This is not a place I should be able to go. But in a game that's encouraging me to be like, look, you can pick up, you can pick up a, a, the, this mug and move it. Like, yes. Oh, look how here you are. Yeah. As soon as it's like, oh, but I, I can't pick up the pen. That's weird, you know? But that's an issue right. with game design. I don't think that's an issue with VR as a technology. No, no, not at all. No. There are examples of games where you can pick everything up and they are all, like, tangible items. I think right. it's Skyrim like you can pick most things up as well. Yeah, or like in Alex, um, the, they, they did a good job with that. Like, if you're not meant to go down an area, they won't just slap a door there. They'll throw rubble in front of the door. See, like that's like and that's good design. Rubble. That's smart, right? Because yeah. then it's, it's not. It, I would say that why can't it I do would, this? Is also based on the design of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and resources, um, right? Because VR is expensive yeah, to develop resources. for, which is the other problem. Expensive to develop for, and it takes a lot of computing resources as well. So, like, if I, for instance, 
take put pile everything on a table in VR and then just slap it all off, making everything have its own collision in physics that is calculating, it's gonna stutter and chop as it processes. Right, right. And then um to go back what you said with um um attending an event, just because bringing up the camera thing keeps reminding me. Um, VR chat actually covers that quite a lot. Um, New Year's Eve, they had a world that was modeled after Times Square. It's like, that's cool. Like, I, I feel yeah. like things like that, I can, I can definitely see the appeal of. Like, yeah. Or like way. they would have, like they have, um, a lot of worlds have like a, a, a stream setup or a video player setup that accepts Twitch and YouTube links. So if I, let's say I wanted to watch the Olympics in VR, I could go into a world that has a stream setup go Twitch go to the Olympics Twitch channel because they have a Twitch channel for the Olympics, which is neat. And then just plug that in and I'll be sitting here. I could be sitting in the Forest Temple from Ocarina of right. Time watching the Olympics as a Halo Spartan. It's it's just a certain level of wild, you know, and, imagination that um, you wouldn't have anticipated. Unlike big screen, it's a similar thing, right? You, they, they're like selling movies in big screen now. So like when we were all closed during the the pandemic you could right go there and watch a movie right. with yeah. either friends or strangers and you're all having this social experience yeah that and you can't exactly. do in real life i think that stuff is really cool and i i see that application being more popular than video games because like that's not really a game right like it's it's an experience and i think like you know i, I would love to talk about this more but we do have to wrap up here um because we have a stream coming up uh but that's, I feel like, where we see a lot of companies talking about the metaverse and pushing us towards that, which, you know, has its yeah. own layers of problems and, you know, um, is not, is something I'm definitely inherently not interested in. Um, but, like, I could very much see the appeal of being like, oh, you know, hey, like, right, like Steve and I, right, are good friends. We've been close friends for years. We've never been able to spend time together in the same room. How cool would it be if we could pop on a headset and it feels like we're sitting on a couch together watching TV, like, you know, or having dinner together. Like, those are things, or like, you know, like, oh, hey, like, oh, yeah, like, I live far away from my family, right? And I want to be home for family dinner. Everybody pops on a headset and it's like I'm there. Like, those are things I could very much see being popular applications of it that are you know, not video games. And that's, but why not do that and then play games with them while you're in that experience? And I'm I mean, sh- that's where we're going, right? We absolutely are. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and I, I don't want to sound like I keep shilling VR chat, but that's exactly what you can do. No, yeah, I mean, that's why we brought you yeah, here. Yeah, like, right? you're the you one who's need, ex- you don't, experienced that Yeah, stuff. you don't need a headset to play VR chat. You can play it on a desktop computer. You won't have full, like, mobility. You'll just be, like, walking around just like a standard model. But you, like you could, they, somebody made an Among Us map. If you wanted to play Among Us with your friends in VR, you could go play Among Us. If you wanted to wander around Times Square, like I said, like I, I could wander. I, me and Steve could put on our headsets and wander around Times Square, like we're ten feet away from each other. Or, I would love or to try all of that with you sometime. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. After this, we'll I'll, I'll send you my VR chat name. There but, you go. Um, yeah, definitely there. It, it's it's the social experiences if you know where to look for them which inherently having to look for them is part of the issue but if you know where to look for the social experiences you can have the time of your life yeah and and that's the thing is it's still a very young technology you know like yeah. any of the it's, things that... it's like the nes during the height of the arcade era it's still you know yeah and it's like any of the things that i 
um, identified are all things that could absolutely just be solved by the technology evolving and developing. And, you know, I, I definitely think that it's here to stay. Um, but I, I definitely am interested to see 10 years from now, like what are, what are the vast majority of people doing with VR, right? Like I have a feeling it won't be video games as much as video games was the thing that broke through and made yeah. VR consumer I mean, tech. I, but I, I agree with you. I think it becomes more mainstream in general though, but that's the same as all technology, right? Absolutely. People were playing yeah. games on PCs, but now we use PCs for absolutely everything. Yep. And the same thing with like, everyone has a phone, but you can, you can play games on them. And lots of people do play games on them. It's arguably the biggest gaming platform in the world, but most people use it for Facebook or right, to yeah. scroll through right. pictures. Um, yeah. And I think there's a lot of really, really incredible applications for the technology beyond this consumer stuff that we think about, right. For like education and, and medicine and all these things that, well, they're like the well, stuff that you see that engineers doing and they're like walking around a giant scale model of a car they're working on that they can't build yet, but they can like get up close and see if everything fits and it like all works together. And I'm thinking about how cool it would be to be able to, like, recreate, you know, like, oh, here's what New York City looked like 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And you could go walk around it and, like, have those kinds of experiences. Like, I think yes, there's so think many Microsoft exciting te- doing that. Uh, technologies that will, you know. Yeah, M- Microsoft's yeah, done Microsoft a lot of that with, with that HoloLens, with their, right? Yeah, with the HoloLens. They were, they were sending 360 cameras up and then AI stitching them together so that you can go to, like, the ruins of, like, ancient Athens strap a headset on and you're wandering around ancient Athens. That's yeah. I mean, like, or, or, um, a friend of mine works for an architectural firm. He actually, there's software he uses where he builds the structures. Like he builds the house in a 3d model and his headset is compatible with that. So he, he theoretically, wild. he could build, he could build my house. Right. And you could just wander around it say, okay, well this is, this is bedroom. You know, this is bathroom. You know, this this would be the office space that you would have. I you know structural I beam, and you could pull a layer off. You know, here's a two foot structural I beam here that has to stay mm-hmm. during remodels. Um, I think some doctors or some hospitals are actually um, doing like training, like surgical training yeah. in VR. Oh, yeah. that would be such cool. Or even like looking at CT scans and things like that. Where you exactly. Can like yeah. Visually zoom in and see or, where or it is. Or some Iron Man level where you're like scaling yeah. up a hologram to. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, is like we're we're very early days here. And, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, in the next five years, we'll see it evolve five times as much as we have in the last five years. So, um, you know, right. I, I'm sure there's a lot of things I said today that I will inevitably eat my words on. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting technology to say the absolute least. Um, but Doc, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was yes, really really you, great. Thank to, you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was great to have your um, your take on all this stuff because yeah, you've got a lot more experience with it than 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 I do for sure, and then than Steve does right now anyway because I feel like he's going to be a a VR boy from here on out. So <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how that sticks with him. But uh, I, I prefer the term virtual boy. But um, yes, you are a <laughs> real virtual boy. Though. uh so doc uh real quick let everybody know where they can find you and about your twitch show um yeah you can find me on twitter um at that doc guy underscore because some inactive 
jerk from 2011 has that doc guy and I can't claim it. Yup. Yeah. No. Loud underscore Pete was totally a conscious choice that I made. Yeah. Same. Uh, <laughs> um, and then on Twitch at that doc guy, uh, every you said to mention the show. Yeah. 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 Um, me and fellow Patreon producer Zaid Ida are running a 100% playthrough of Ocarina of Time every Monday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. There you go. Get retro. Check it out. All right. So, Doc, thanks again for joining us. Remember, if you want to be a Patreon producer like Doc and Zaid, head over to patreon.com slash flipscreengames. You can get a bunch of cool perks and goodies, show your support for the show, get a little bit of extra content in your feed, get archives of our Twitch channel and all of our streams over there on twitch.tv slash flipscreengames, all kinds of stuff. Come join the Discord. Come join the community. Flipscreen.games is our website. It has links to everywhere we are on the web. Wherever you are that we are, go be there and follow us. Like, subscribe, share, all that stuff. You know how I internet at this point. So, thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Flip Screen Games Podcast. I've been Pete. He's been Doc. He's been Steve. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>